Welcome to another great week here on Brit David Podcast. As Pastor Tim brings us a message today entitled, Where Does Your Help Come From? From Micah, chapter 7, verses 1 through 20. Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble. And we have learned even from personal experience that that is true. The question is not whether you will have trouble. The question concerns where you will seek help in the midst of your trouble. Too many people look to themselves or someone or something in this world as the source of their help. Why would they look to the very thing that brought them the trouble rather than the one who not only said, in this world you will have trouble, but finished it by saying, but I have overcome the world. Where does your help come from? Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. You can be seated. Hope you have your Bible with you today. If you'll take it and find the book of Micah. might take you just a minute, so let me give you a little time. The Old Testament book of Micah. Micah is a prophet, one of the ones that we call the minor prophets, not because what he has to say is any less important than what anybody else has to say. His book is just a little bit shorter than some of those others. Micah is a man who was given that particular name, which means, who is like God? He probably liked that song that we just sang, because nothing can compare to the Lord. And that's exactly what his name means. Micah is not a professional prophet. He, like Amos, is from the countryside. He's a rural man who understands what it means to live on a farm, who understands what it means to work in fields of agriculture, and yet God calls him out of that place, maybe out of that barn, to go to a palace and preach a word of discouragement, a word of warning, a word of caution to the leaders of the nation of Israel. Have you ever been asked to do something that you just didn't feel like you were up for? Maybe something that you didn't feel like you were qualified for. You know, that you say, I, I missed that day at school <laughs> when they taught that. Education is not what's always going to help you. Training is not what's always going to help you. Having a mentor is not what's always going to help you. Having goals and being driven towards those goals is not what's going to help you in times that are so difficult that you can only lean upon the Lord. That's why Micah asked the question, who is like our God? We begin to look around this world and we find things that we'll put in His place. His place is first place. And anytime you put anything in God's place, anytime anything or anyone has first place in your life, and that's not the Lord, it is an idol. And it's something that ought not be where it is. When it comes to finding those times when you need help, we often find ourselves putting an awful lot of number of people in that position instead of always looking to the Lord. I think about the psalmist writing and saying, I lift my eyes to the hills and then asking this question, where does my help come from? A lot of people have that very same question, don't they? Where does my help come from? There are things in this world that we expect to happen. 
There are things in this world that we expect to follow a line of experience. It doesn't always do that, does it? You find yourself in new situations. You find yourself in dangerous situations. You find yourself in places where you yourself don't feel qualified to get yourself out of. Maybe you feel like the man that Micah writes about in the final chapter of his book. Look, if you will, in the very first verse of the seventh chapter of the book of Micah. He begins with this exclamation, Woe is me! Woe is me! For I am like those who gather summer fruits like those who glean vintage grapes. There is no cluster to eat of the first ripe fruit which my soul desires. What's he saying? He's saying, I went to the peach tree because I wanted my wife to make me a peach cobbler. Sounds like somebody else I know. And there were no peaches. I went to the blueberry tree to make a blueberry cobbler. And there were no blueberries. I went to the cherry tree to make a cherry cobbler. And there were no cherries. I even went to the blackberry vine to make a blackberry cobbler. Can you tell who's hungry today and who likes, who likes cobbler? And there were no blackberries. Peach trees are supposed to have peaches. Cherry trees are supposed to have cherries. Blueberry trees are supposed to have blueberries. Even blackberry vines are supposed to have blackberries. It's what we expect. By the way, any of you have a cell phone that's the blackberry? You remember those old blackberries? Be careful. Don't eat your phone. You know what happens when you eat your Blackberry, right? You get Bluetooth. All right, sorry. That's as... <laughs> you know, you never know what pops up in the mind of the preacher while he's talking. There are things you expect in life, like the pastor to be funny, and things just seem to disappoint you along the way. There are lots of disappointments along the way, aren't there? And we look for help. Everybody needs help sometimes. But if you're looking for help in the wrong places, not only will you not get the help that you need, you may find yourself more frustrated, more depressed, more down, more defeated than you ever should have been in the first place. That's the man that, that Micah writes about. A man who is disappointed with the situation that he is in, in life. I want to give you two overarching statements today. For that man who finds himself in need of help. The one who looks to himself or who looks to the world for his help. Has to say exactly what Micah says at the beginning of this passage. Number one. Woe is me. Woe is me. If all the help that you get is the help that you already know about, 
If all the help that you get is the experiences that you've already had in life, then you're missing out on something that God wants to do through you that He could not have done in any other way under any other kind of circumstances. You see, people like that begin to look in all sorts of places for their help. And every time they get disappointed, every time they can say, woe is me. Let me give you several of these as Micah points them out to us. In this world, when you're looking for help, you may find unfaithful Christians. Let's just start right here, right here where we are. I mean, the very people that you would expect to find help from, the very people that you feel like you could go to and that they would come through every time are faithful Christians, believers, preachers, Sunday school teachers, deacons, those that you feel like you can count on. Look at what Micah says about his day. He says in verse number 2, The faithful man has perished from the earth, and there was no one upright among men. If you put your faith in your preacher, if you put your faith in any other person in this church, you are bound to be disappointed. They're going to say something that's going to hurt your feelings. They're going to do something that's going to make you feel like your second nature. There's going to be some time, at some point, that your fellow believers will let you down because we're human. We're going to fail. We're looking for help. Where does my help come from? I want to be able to count on my church family. I want to be able to count on them. I want them to rally to me when I need them. That's not the source of my strength. It's just one of those good byproducts. The source of my strength is not my church family, but the one who holds my church family together and brought us together in the first place. It's the Lord Jesus. He's the one that I must look to. If I place my faith even in faithful men, the Bible says they have perished from the earth. And not one upright person could even be found. You'll find unfaithful Christians if that's what you're looking for. Number two, in this world when you're looking for help, you may find undiminishing violence. Undiminishing violence. The very thing that some people are looking help from. It's what sticks them in their face more than not. We think sometimes around here that violence is a South Columbus problem. That violence is a problem that happens down by the river. Tell that to the 16-year-old in North Columbus that was found murdered. One more instance of gang violence in our city. Two miles from my house. It's not a South Columbus problem. It's not a North Columbus problem. It's not a Columbus problem. It is a humanity problem. The violence in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our schools, in our states is out of hand. 
It is unbelievable that the very safest places that you would expect to find in our world are not even safe themselves anymore. Undiminishing violence. Think it's going to get better? Maybe if we pass more gun laws, it'll get better. It hadn't yet. People in Chicago will say that it'll never get better just because you pass more laws. Legislation and laws are never going to be what brings revival to our nation. It's only going to be the Lord. Well, well, well maybe if we just educate people more, it's not a problem with a lack of education. It happens among the haves and it happens among the have-nots. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, you can be a victim of this kind of violence that never seems to decrease. It only gets bolder and bolder. Look at what Micah says as he finishes verse number 2. They all lie in wait for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net. We get to a point where we're hunting our brothers. Be they spiritual brothers or biological brothers. We're in trouble. And that's where we find ourselves in our nation today. In absolute trouble with undiminishing violence. If you think that this world is going to offer you a set of boxing gloves that's going to get you out of your trouble... It's not. You could go toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose, punch-for-punch with somebody else. And all you're going to have are two beat-up people. Number three, in this world, when you're looking for help, you may find unaccountable leaders. Unaccountable leaders. Leaders. Now I want, you to, I want you to pay particular attention with me at the beginning of verse number 3. He says that they may successfully do evil with both hands. And then, and then my translation uses a dash. What it tells me is, is that the next few things, in fact specifically, it's going to be the next three. That all of these go together. And what do they have in common? They successfully do evil. You see, there are some who are unfaithful Christians who try to go that route. They try to live one foot in righteousness and one foot in unrighteousness. And it never pays off. It never pays off. There's some who resort to violence. Never pays off. Never even gives them a shadow of hope. But these next three, you'll look at some of these people and you'll say, that is success. That's success. You can tell that it's success because of the plaques that they have on their wall. The degrees that they have framed. The dollars that they have in the bank. 
You can tell that they are successful in what they do. And so we not only seek help from these kinds of people, we strive to be these kinds of people. The first one that he mentions are unaccountable leaders. Notice what he says there in that next phrase of verse number 3. The prince asks for gifts. The prince asks for gifts. The prince shouldn't have to ask for anything. Anybody who approaches the prince would in all likelihood bring him a gift. They would always want to do something to ingratiate themselves to him. Maybe a, maybe a law might be passed or a decree may go out that's in your favor, in the favor of your family, and so you give that prince a gift. This is a prince who not only receives gifts, this is a prince who seeks gifts. You know, there was a time when we elected senators and representatives to leave from our towns and go to Washington, D.C., where they would stand and represent us and the values that we hold dear. And after a season, a term, maybe they'd serve one, maybe they would even serve two. But after a while, they would come back home to their businesses. The very things that the community looked at and said, that's a person who should represent me. Now we send people to Washington for an entire career. For 50 years, we've had some of those jokers up there. And not a one of them has gone broke because their business back home has gone under. Their foothold is not in their community. Their foothold is in their position. Because now instead of being worth thousands, they're worth millions. And they got there simply because of their position. Now we say that we hold them accountable. That we have laws that keep those things from happening. <laughs> but in the Senate, it seems as if it happens a hundred times over. Every single election. Unaccountable leaders. Number next, whatever we're on. You'll also find unfair judges unfair judges. And just like people will look at their leaders, their princes who want a gift and say, boy, he's successful. I want to be a prince. I want to be a senator. I want to be a representative. I want to have those things. Now they look at a judge and say, I want to be a judge. I want to be the one to say what is right and what is wrong, not based on morality, not based on constitution, not based on law, and certainly not based on scripture, but based on what? The judge seeks a bribe, he says. 
a little money under the table, a little favor here for another favor there. You may not have taken Latin when you were in school, but in this last administration, every person in here knows what quid pro quo means. You scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours. You slip me a little something under the bench, and I'll favor you with my gavel. People look at them and say they are successful. I want to be like that. You expect to be able to go to that judge for help. Sometimes it's only the rich who seem to get justice, even in a free society. There's another one. Not only are they unaccountable leaders, not only are they unfair judges, but you'll also find underhanded businessmen. Underhanded businessmen. Look at the end of verse number 3. He says, And the great man utters his evil desire, so they scheme together. You ever heard of insider trading? You ever heard of inside information? You ever heard of collusion? Great businesses and great corporations get together to make for themselves greater profits and not greater products. To make the world they live in better than the world that we live in are underhanded businessmen. And people look at them and say, they are successful. I want to be a businessman like that kind of businessman. Not knowing that they'll have to sacrifice their scruples and their morality to get there. But all of them, the Bible says that they may successfully do evil with both hands. All three of these groups. Verse number four then also deals with those same three as a cluster. Notice what verse 4 says about them. The best of them, the best businessmen, the best judges, the best princes, or the best leaders, is like a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn Hedge, the day of your watchman and your punishment comes, now shall be their perplexity. What's so perplexing? What's perplexing is to know that judgment is coming. But it sure is hard to focus that when the prophets are rolling in. No matter how the prophets get there. If it was asked for like a gift, if it was sought after like a bribe, or if it was gathered underhandedly under the table. No matter how it comes, when there is success and prosperity, watch out, believer. Jesus didn't say that you shall not serve God and mammon for nothing. 
he could have said, you can't serve God and family. He could have said, you can't serve God and ambition. He could have said, you can't serve God and nation. He could have said just about anything, but he chose to say, you can't serve God and money. Why? Because it is the root of all kinds of evil. It gets in us. It makes us think that's where our security is. And that becomes the problem for the man who goes to the peach tree expecting peaches and finding none. Who goes to the world looking for help and doesn't find any. He comes to the conclusion that if he can't count on his church friends, if he can't ch- turn or if he can't trust in a violent world or society, if he can't trust in these leaders, people that he looks up to, then maybe he should just look out for himself. Maybe he should just gather all that he can. And when he's got a nice little nest egg that's built up, then he can relax. The Bible says money can sprout wings and fly away. Mine takes flight every month. (laughs) Listen, you can't trust in what's falling. American debt is now up over a trillion dollars in credit card debt alone. The dollar seems to be getting weaker and weaker across the world. Mortgage rates are now up over 8%. Somebody said headed back to the 13s. If you think that you can count on that dollar, then you've got your hope in the wrong place. You say, well, okay. I'm not going to seek help then from that kind. I'm not going to seek that kind of help. Not any of these things that he's mentioned so far. It's just going to be me and mine. You know, sometimes when life gets difficult, Dina and I just look at one another and say, we still got each other. When it all boils down to it, we, got, we just got each other. I can't put my hope in her. She can't put her hope in me. If Jesus isn't first. Pastor Tim thanks you for joining us here today on Britt David Podcast. He would like to invite you to join us tomorrow as he brings us a continuation of his message, Where Does Your Help Come From? From Micah, Chapter 7 verses 1 through 20. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.